Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Episode 423 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening in the aftermath of Game 3 between the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies. And the end result was a pretty hideous one, a 10-2 loss for the Braves in Game 3. They now trail 2-1 in the series, and I'm joined this evening by Scott Coleman. Scott, I don't even have a quip to open the podcast. How are you? Hey, Brad. Yeah, I'm not good. I, I, I'm not good. <laughs> I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm sure all of our listeners are very equally angry and and pissed off and disgusted with how the game went today. As we say, we are always here, win or lose. Very unfortunately, we are here, lose tonight. Um, yeah, plenty to dig into. That's for sure. And uh, I, I had a couple people, maybe more than a couple people, notice that I was a little bit more animated tonight on social media than usual. And uh, that that is certainly true. So I'm right there with you. We're going to basically dive right into the pitching stuff and what happened in the third inning because um, no matter what you want to say, and I would agree that the offense, and we'll come back to this too later on, the offense has not been good enough in this series. We'll be very clear about that. The offense has not been good enough in the series, including tonight, and we're not saying otherwise. But the big story from this game, despite the lopsided result, has to be what happened on the pitching side and especially what happened in the third inning so I want to go back to the beginning now real quickly, Scott. Bryce Elder is chosen as a starter. We, we previewed that a little bit earlier this week. Not a surprise at all. They talked about how they liked what they saw from him in the sim game. He was fresh. He had only pitched once in a game in about three weeks, et cetera. And he looked pretty good in the first two innings. He, struck, he, he retired the first six batters. His stuff was pretty solid. But all that said, you and I discussed this on the podcast. And look, we were not alone. Uh, I think the consensus and people that cover the sport – uh, locally, nationally, it was that, okay, Bryce Elder's a starter. That makes actually a lot of sense, but he kind of has to be on a short leash. Um, apparently, the last part of that was lost on the Braves this evening because he was not on a short leash and yeah. uh, things sprawled from there. I said word for word after game two when we were talking about who was going to start game three. I said word for word that Bryce Elder would probably start 
and that Rick Kranitz should have his hand on the bullpen phone. <laughs> That's true. Ready to go at a moment's notice. I said this. So um, I saw a little bit of the, oh, the 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 keyboard managers are at it again. Listen, man, w- when you can see these things coming, like when you can see the avalanche coming and then you get covered by the snow, you can't look around and go, well, who could have seen this coming? I, I didn't know this was going to happen. It was just incompetence at the highest level in the third inning. And you're absolutely right. The Braves scored two runs. The, who knows how the game would have played out if any reasonable manager would have handled it differently than leave Bryce Elder out there to to literally drown out on the mound. I mean, not even... Oh, I'm going to cuss, Brad. It's a family show. I'm going to keep myself calm. Censor. Not even... Yeah, get the uh, podcast intern on the censor button. Uh, literally not even a mound visit in the third inning as Elder gave up two home runs, six base runners. Like, wh- wh- literally, what are we doing, man? Like, oh, Brad, <laughs> All right, I am we're gonna... <laughs> so unbelievably annoyed. You and I are going to tag team on each other on this podcast to keep it on the rails. But no, you're 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 right. And let's just dive in now. We should say at the top of the third was the one bright spot of the night. The Braves did score a run, took the lead. Uh, Ronnie uses his speed in a lot of ways. That was a fun segment. I was ready to focus on it a little bit. The fact that your MVP kind of wills you to a run with his legs was awesome. They should have scored more in the third. Ozuna struck out with second big time in three innings. All that said, let's just go through the blow by blow in the third. And there is a lot to unpack here. So if you are new to the podcast, this is more of an old school playoff episode. Uh, the first two games, honestly, there weren't that many like decisions to analyze and all that stuff, but this one, there's there's plenty to get to. So, you reference it. Uh, the leadoff home run by Castellanos. Look, that's okay. Things happen. Uh, I tweeted this tonight, but um, in my, I don't want to say profession, I, I cover sports semi-professionally. I get paid to cover sports and have for a long time. And I've noticed al- along the way that like player performance and results and stuff like that doesn't really bother me anymore as much. Obviously, I want the Braves to do well, but the ups and downs and like what really does make what really makes me mad is not like performance. So like Elder getting up a home run to Dick Castellanos is a good hitter. It's fine. I mean, it's not great, obviously. By the way, that was his third consecutive home run against Elder, which I did not I didn't know until tonight. He had bombed twice off Elder in September in back-to-back plate appearances, and then he did it again today. Yeah, the Braves but can't get Nick Castellanos out. They they cannot. Um that aside. Let's just start here. At a bare minimum, Scott, my note was the following. When he allows a home run, going back to the short leash competition that I'm sure we'll return to during this podcast again, once Elder shows some cracks, which obviously a home run is a crack. It's one pitch in some respects, but it's a home run. And again, this is a guy who has not been very good for about three months now and that you agonized clearly about even starting. They didn't announce a starter until this morning on Wednesday. You would think that someone would get up in the bullpen at that point. And if not, then Scott, Brandon Marsh ripped a single hard the next plate appearance. So again, at a bare moment, again, you would think that someone would get up and start warming, which is going to be a recurring topic. Elder did get two more outs, but then Trey Turner got Trey, Trey Turner got on base. And now there's two guys on for, you can debate on how good Bryce Harper is. I would say this, Bryce Harper is one of the five guys in all of Major League Baseball that I would not want to see in that moment against Bryce Elder. 
Yeah, he, he might be top three. He might be number one. I have no idea. But I mean, one of the best left-handed hitters of his generation, potential potential Hall of Famer, great in the playoffs, just a terrifying spot, huge home crowd, all that stuff. I mean, I have the tweet receipt to prove it about how I had been. I literally had said I would before the plate appearance that I've been dreading this moment for two days. Elder facing Harper in a big spot was like the actual nightmare. And then it's an incredibly high leverage moment. And again, as a reminder, Elder had already allowed three hits in the inning, including a home run. And again, the the entire process that we outlined and that we kind of thought the Braves were going to follow based on their reticence to even start Elder was that he was going to be on a short leash. We all saw it coming. You mentioned it. And of course, Harper hits the ball a long way. And in the blink of an eye, it goes from one one nothing to four to one. And look, we'll come back to this. It was honestly about the worst possible pitch. Again, I'm not picking on Bryce, but you could look, you could look, you look at the at the modeling at the at the game day pack. However, you want to see that say that he threw an 85 million, 85 mile an hour pitch, middle middle, hanging to Bryce Harper. And like, we'll stop there now, Scott. I'll throw it back to you. But that, that's what's happened so far. Where were you on this? Because I think I think we agree. I, I think it was pretty bad to let Elder face Harper. That's that's my opinion. I don't think it's like a hundred percent. I'm at least willing to listen to someone say no to this, but I, I pretty strongly feel that was a mistake in itself. And then we'll have more to come in a second. Yeah, it was okay. So my here was my thought process with all of the impending disaster. I mean, ev- everyone saw this coming. No, I don't know if anyone, when Bryce Harper stepped in, oh, Brad, and it was 2-0, Yes, it was a very poor pitch from Bryce Elder. Rick Kranitz and Brian Snitker are not throwing the pitches. I totally get it. But you had no one ready to go in the bullpen. In real time, it was about 11 minutes from the time that Castellanos homered to the time that that Harper stepped to the box, 11 minutes. And nobody thought as everything was transpiring at one point to get Brad hand up, who was on the roster only to face lefties. And I know he gave up the home run a couple innings later, but just because he gave up a home run in an eight to one blowout, doesn't mean he's going to give up the home run there. So you have no one ready to go in the bullpen. Get anyone up, by the way, it doesn't have to be Brad hand. There's that, that's sort of a different discussion. I'm with you. That's what I would have done, but I am open to it being someone other than Brad Hand. I just feel like there cannot be a world where there's nobody throwing. And by the way, we're not just um, going off the cuff here. Snit confirmed after the game that they didn't even think about getting anybody up. That's a, I'll come back to the quote later. But that, that was a reference that he uh, admitted on the podium. They weren't even really considering getting someone up at this point, which is just it, it breaks my brain, honestly. But there you go. Yes, it is. It is mind numbing. Among all of this, Rick Kranitz sat in the dugout and never once thought to go out to the mound. Travis Darno never once thought to go out to the mound and give Bryce a mental breather. I mean, every time the Braves get a base runner on, I, I swear the Phillies pitching coach walks out to the mound to have a little powwow. There was not a single mound visit. And maybe the most frustrating part of it all was you had a base open to walk <laughs> Harper. This actually was you- uh, under-discussed. I, I I did not think about this a lot. I briefly, maybe I think this, this is actually getting a little bit lost and I'm glad you're bringing it up because I, it was not top of mind for me, but they, they could, they could have walked him. They really could have. They could have walked him. Then you're facing Alec Bohm, 
who solid hitter. Don't get me wrong. It's not like you have the pitcher on deck, but you have Alec Bohm on deck, bases loaded, two outs. Why on earth would you pitch to Bryce Harper, who I agree completely. I mean, I, I think pound for pound, Bryce is a top three hitter on planet Earth. He has always killed the Braves. What the hell are you doing pitching <laughs> to him there, man? Especially, was- especially by the way, if like, we'll, sit, we'll lay out the quotes later, but Snit seemed to want more bulk from Bryce Elder, and that seemed to be like a motivating factor, which I don't agree with that in ter- and that with that premise even. But let's say you step into the brain of Brian Sicker for a second and say, we, we want to get more innings out of Bryce tonight, even with a full available bullpen. A way to do that would be to, like you said, walk Harper if you wanted to, especially when you're down 2-0. Like if you want to say, if you want to pitch around Harper and not just intentionally walk him, I'm totally fine with that. Pitch around him or whatever. But like, don't throw him a middle middle <laughs> hanging breaking ball. But Alec Bohm is right-handed. And, you know, platoon spits are not everything, but I mean, I cannot describe to you how much more confident I would have been with Elder versus Bohm in that moment. So if, you, if, if, if a lot of the goal was to just get through the inning and, and also keep Bryce in the game, the path to doing that is a lot clearer when he's facing Alec Bohm. And, and I know Bohm got a hit after that, but like the game changed entirely when Harper bumped. I mean, you can't get into guys' minds, but um, I, I don't think it's quite fair to be like, well, Bohm definitely would have gotten a hit um, next. Cause I mean, maybe he would have, I'm not saying he wouldn't have either, but he didn't bomb <laughs> either. So if you want to go that, that route and yeah, it's getting lost, but man, uh, I feel like that decision you and I agree was a was a bad one. And, and I think that most people even and look, I try, I really do try to look at national writers that I trust, that I think are smart, that think the game well and analytically, who are not like you and I might be uh invested and you know wrecked by the results. And basically everyone that I read, I don't think I saw really anyone say that they agreed with the decision to stay with Elder um against Harper. So that's anecdotal. I'm not, I'm not trying to appeal to authority too much there, but like we think that people that don't cover the Braves think that that are kind of following this up closely. That was a mistake. I don't have too much more to say on, on that. We have more to come. We have more to come. But like anything else you want to add on on the Harper choice? Because there's there's more here. There are layers everywhere. No, I mean, it. please tweet me. Scott Coleman 55. <laughs> if anyone has a a good reason to pitch to Bryce Harper there with Alec Bohm on deck. I would genuinely love to hear it. Maybe you'll change my mind. I, oh my gosh, Brad, it's, it's just mind numbing. There you go. Okay. So we'll, we'll, I'll try my best. We'll go beyond that. Now, this is, this next part is the part that actually sent me into a different realm of understanding <laughs> mentally. Um, once Elder gives up the home run, to Harper. And again, it wasn't a situation where Harper hit a great pitch by Elder over the wall. It was a terrible pitch. All due respect to Bryce, awful pitch. Everyone agreed on that. He stayed in the game. And that that is that is indefensible in my opinion, much more than even letting him face Harper. And we find out after the fact, and I guess maybe during if you were in the building and could see this, we don't have access to who's in the bullpen at all times from home, but there was no one warming in the bullpen. Um, not only did they not take him out, there was no one warming in the bullpen, despite, again, he allowed a home run and then two more hits before facing Bryce Harper. You laid it out. It was more than 10 minutes before Harper even came in the box. Then Harper homers. There's still nobody up in the bullpen. 
someone finally gets up at that point in time, but he faces two more batters. That is indefensible. And of course, it's a hard hit single and a walk. And those guys later on in the inning come around to score. And we can debate on how much it would have affected things. Again, they lost by eight runs. We do understand that. But four to one versus six to one is a big difference. In at this point, and again, it's the third inning. And while the offense has been brutal in this series so far, this is supposed to be the best offense in the league. So being down three runs, the game is not over, as we saw in game two. Being down five runs, is it over? No, but three versus five is a big gap. And like that, that part to me was probably the single thing that I just could not wrap my head around was the combination of nobody being ready to come into the game and just the reality of Elder literally giving up two home runs, two additional hits, and then still being in the game to face not one, but two batters after that. That is just, yeah, honestly, just breathtaking. I, I cannot, I'm sure we sound like crazy people on the podcast, and I'm totally fine with that tonight, but I just, that sequence, and look, the way that Steven said it is great. Our, our colleague, Steven Tolbert, said this, and I could have said it better myself. The reality that Bryce Elder was in the game tonight after two days of consternation about him starting long enough to even have the possibility of six earned runs being charged to him. And yes, he left the game after the first four, but it is really difficult to wrap my mind around the fact that he would ever have been allowed to have that possibility happen. There is no scenario where Elder on a short leash, like we talked about, should have ever, ever, ever been in a position to be even charged with six runs. That means that he would have had to leave the game having given up at least three with the bases loaded. That's the most kind scenario to have a situation where Elder could be charged with six runs. And it wasn't even that. That was the kind scenario. He had already given up four and then had two more base runners. That just can't happen, man. It can't happen when you have your full bullpen. This is a series. We, we were talking about this for literally two months, Scott, you and I on this podcast about how much rest there was going to be in the NLDS. And how it really freed up the bullpen to be aggressive. And they had these two starters who were awesome. And the only game they don't have that is game three. But guess what? They have two off days in the three days before game three. So they have the entire bullpen available. They can enter the clip. And this is even before the Morton injury. But anyway, even more so now, everybody's available. Everybody's fresh other than Strider and Freed. The whole team is available. And Bryce Elder is allowed to give up six earned runs. Yeah, six. Six runs. And... The cherry on top here is bringing in Michael Tonkin in a four to one <laughs> yeah. game. Man. This is the next step. <laughs> Michael yes. Tonkin. And I, I don't want this to Michael Tonkin is not the reason the Braves lost this game tonight. I agree. Yes. And Michael Tonkin has given this team really good innings, especially early in the year. But in the second half, Tonkin's ERA is upwards of five. Well, it's very similar yeah. to Bryce Elder. Honestly, both these guys had huge regression that's just what happened this year perfect comparison yes so maybe i'll do this now this comparison this parallel between games one and game three okay let's set the stage here game one phillies are in a bullpen game they've been known it's been a bullpen game for days at this point just like the braves knew today was a bullpen game ranger suarez starts and by all accounts he was going to have a short leash just like Bryce Elder was supposed to have a short leash. Through three and two-thirds innings, Ranger Suarez had been nearly perfect. And in the fourth inning, with two runners on, 
two outs with the Phillies leading one nothing, which is the exact same score that the Braves had of a lead today. Rob Thompson, who was a very good manager for the Phillies, Rob Thompson comes into the game and pulls Ranger Suarez. Now, it was Suarez himself looked surprised, bummed. He, he didn't want to come out of the game. But when you have your entire bullpen available, why on earth would you, A, let your starter go and face in a bad matchup? And B, why would you bring in the worst reliever in your bullpen when you have a bullpen game going? Rob Thompson brought in Jeff Hoffman, who was one of the best right-handed relievers in baseball this year. And Brian Snitker goes to Michael Tonkin, who has been a upwards of five ERA for the entire second half of the year. It just, uh, it's a best of three. What, what are you doing? If, if you lose two games, the season's over. Like over, capital letters, over. This I, I tweeted this. It's not late June and you're trying to save the bullpen and you're trying to cover a few innings on getaway day against the Colorado Rockies, man. This is the NLDS. If you lose... <laughs> After that, you lose one more time. Season's over. Historic season. Done. It is yeah. just unbelievably frustrating. No, that's that's really well said. And it, not to make it too much of a a simple conclusion, but this is an old this is an old play the hits from this podcast. Actually, in a lot of ways, that you and I and one of our one of our complaints. And look, we were really really praiseworthy of Bryant Snicker in twenty twenty one, and that's kind of it's kind of stands in stark contrast to this because. We were impressed. I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think I'm right about this. That we were we really talked about it a lot about how how aggressive and how like adaptive Snit was in the board series run in 21. He pressed all the right buttons. It all worked. And maybe they got maybe there's always a little bit of luck involved in a World Series run, but like he was much more again, not not to use the word again, but aggressive and like more modern in approach. And yeah, there was it was nice to have this like night shift bullpen that was just ridiculously good the whole time, but he pressed all the right buttons and this time around it was just like it was all it was all reactive and one of our play the hits things on this podcast is that snit far too often in our minds manages in a way that like he just he, he kind of just likes to punt games and he treated this game like it was a regular season game and like you just you just can't do that i mean you talked about tonkin who we're not trying to pick on i promise but he he was he's either the last guy or the second to last guy, depending on how you feel about Days Bell Hernandez, who was a weird late addition to the roster, in the bullpen. And if Tonkin had come in and it was already six one in a clean inning, I would have not said much about that. Like it would have been like, okay, it's either him or Smith Shaver. You want to eat some innings? I totally get that. You're down five runs. I wouldn't have loved it, but I would have understood it. But that's it. I mean, Tonkin coming in there with two men on is a high leverage moment. I mean, that's it's one of the things that like leverage is a interesting topic, but I'm not saying you have to go to mentor there or something, but like you probably don't want to go to a long man who has not been good for two months with two men on and you're down by three. And yeah, you're down by three, but it's, you know, that's not the spot for that. It's just not, especially when the plans seem to be, maybe they're going to go to Smith Shaver and we'll come back to him later on a little bit too. I just, the, the whole alignment of all of that just doesn't make any sense from the way they handled elder to the fact that they, once they took elder out, you go to a guy that again, not, it's just, he's just not great. He's not terrible. He's just not great. And then one thing that we should at least mention here, um, the double that real Muto hit, uh, was it real Muto? Yeah, it was real Muto. Um, 
to make it six to one. Eddie Rosario, man. <laughs> Eddie Rosario is not a good defensive left fielder. Uh, we know that already, but uh, that that ball had a, an expected bat, an expected batting average of two twenty, and I'm I'm pretty sure that Kevin Pillar or uh, let's just say generic left fielder X catches the ball and it's still four to one. And would that have saved the game? Probably not. But it's worth noting in the mix of all this too that Tonkin made a decent pitch there and uh, was not bailed out by defense. Yeah. Brad, I, <laughs> I'm sorry, Scott. You, I am, I'm sorry no, no, to make, no. you, make you relive all this. It is I, what it am, is, but. I am truly at a loss for words. Just reliving this, right? With in the moment, I was frustrated. I uh, I generally don't text you in the middle of games. Uh, I, I was texting you today. That's I true. was using words that we don't use on this podcast because it's a family show. Um, I I just it is so in a best of three. It's best of three. The urgency, it's just the urgency. The urgency level is what gets me. And I know it gets you. It's just, you got to treat this game like it matters and the way that it does. Like it's, yes. it's the season. Uh, it's, and look, it's, they're not dead. I and mean, we're coming back to that at the end of the podcast. They're not. Losing yeah. tonight doesn't, doesn't end your season, but it makes your odds a lot worse. Like if, you know, and again, they might have lost anyway. We That's one of, the, one of the tricky things about this is that I can already hear some people. In fact, we already saw that on Twitter tonight that are like, well, they lost 10-2. Okay, sure. sure. They did. They lost ten to two. I can't argue. But when it, when the game is in the balance, and I, I the leverage of that moment was the biggest moment of the. I mean, the, the third inning tonight, the bottom of the third inning in particular tonight, was far and away the pivotal moment of the game, and the moments of the game, I should say. And that's what we're talking about this much, and that's what we're ranting and raving. And who's to say that if Snit had walked? Uh, elder, uh, sorry, walked Harper that Bohm wouldn't have hit a grand slam. I, I don't know what would have happened, but we know we know what did happen. Um, and I, I'm tempted, Scott, to read some Brian Snicker quotes. You might have to close your ears, or yeah, uh, you might you, you might lose your mind. Um, yeah, it's kind of just snit karaoke in a lot of ways. Um, here's one he was asked after the game about Elder entering the third inning after and, and then again after the Castellanos home run and whether he even thought about getting the bullpen up. And Snit said the following. After going into the third, I thought he maybe would go five. Speaking of Elder. Whew, go back to the short leash thing. Try to get five, huh? Um, the quote was, he, he looked like his old self. His stuff was really good. And no, it just kind of went quick. We went over this a little, little bit earlier, but that's the kind of mindset that gets you in trouble. And it's the opposite of what Thompson did in game one that you laid out beautifully earlier. You cannot change your plan based on two innings of Bryce Elder. Yeah, he looked pretty good in the first two innings. I'm not arguing, but that doesn't suddenly mean that he's Spencer Strider. That's something I think you and I talked about before we even started recording is that they yes. almost treated Bryce Elder like he was Spencer Strider tonight. <laughs> and right. or Max Free tonight. Pick, pick your pick your ace level guy that has a much longer leash versus I mean, I don't know how much I don't know I don't know how much debate there was, some real debate there was internally about Smith Schauber versus Elder. But the reality is the Braves did not announce their starter for Wednesday's game until Wednesday morning. And they announced their starter for game four, Spencer Strider, immediately after announcing their game three starter. So no mystery on front, no, no mystery on uh, in game four, Scott. Uh, but they really were cloak and dagger about game three, which would which would tell you that perhaps they didn't necessarily love their options without Charlie Morton available. No. Uh, there, and yet, there was, <laughs> here we yeah, are. There, there was no good option. Like, let's no, be clear. There was not. 
That, that's 100%. And, and we previewed that. I mean, we talked about it a lot on this podcast. Like, I want to be very clear. We're not piling on Bryce Elder. Like, Bryce Elder had a great season. Yes, he was an all-star. I don't view him as an all-star pitcher, if that makes sense. But, like, he earned it. He pitched really well for the first half of the season. He cooled off after that. And it's not his fault that he was their best option tonight in their minds. And there was not a silver bullet. Without Charlie available and with Kyle Wright out for the season, like, I, I'm totally fine was starting Bryce Elder. But you can't treat Bryce Elder like it's June and you have to get five out of him tonight. Like the, say say saying into a microphone even that you thought he might go five. Okay, let's play this out, Scott. If Bryce Elder goes out there in the third and has a one, two, three inning, sure. Start him in the fourth inning. If he goes out there again and has a one, two, three inning, sure. Start him in the fifth inning. Like, I'm not saying he couldn't have possibly gone five innings in this game, but he would have had to have been perfect or close to it for me to get him there. Once you start putting guys on base or, I don't know, allowing a home run and then two more batters reach base in the same inning, it's time to punt. Yes. Spo- spoiler alert for our man. I like Brian Snitker. Me by too. All, by ac- all accounts, a beloved figure in the organization. He's been around for 40 years. He is you you will not find a singular person around the organization who will say a bad word about Snit. But you, baseball games change fast. And this is multiple years now that he has refused to adjust on the fly. Like everyone always gives Gabe Kapler crap for how he manages games. <laughs> and and they because he's a little unconventional and how quickly he will pull pitchers or tap into the bullpen, or play the matchups, or trot out to the mound and talk to his pitcher five times. But that that's how playoff games need to be managed. You, you can't manage it like it's June 15th against the Rockies. Like, I, Sure, maybe you thought you were going to get five innings from him, but just because he pitched well in innings one and two doesn't mean you leave him out there to the Wolves in the third. I, I have the money quote there, to your point. I have the money quote. Uh, this is this is from Snit. Quote, I mean, it was the third inning of a game with a lot to cover on the back end of it. End quote. Hey, Snit, your whole bullpen's available. Everyone. It's a playoff game. I know yeah. you play tomorrow for the first time in the series. There's no there's no update tomorrow. But if you uh, I mean, guys can pitch two days in a row. Like there, there, there would have been nobody unavailable tomorrow <laughs> unless they would have had to go long today. It's just that. And I, and I know that talking into a microphone I don't, I don't always love attributing specific sentences in a press conference as like the gospel that the guy meant because I've been at press conferences, like guys just say things and I'm not like saying this is exactly what Snit thinks, but like he really did kind of just brush it off as if it was like a normal thing that happened. And like that watching, I mean, I, I, I encourage people to watch it as well. It's available ballot. Bally tweeted it out. Um, it just didn't seem like he thought it was a, controversial thing even like it was like some guy sometimes managers make a mistake or something doesn't work out and they know coming in the press conference that like you know what maybe i screwed that up or maybe like at least understanding that it's gonna be controversial it was like oh no we would never he literally said they didn't even they didn't they did not really think about getting someone up prior to the harper home run not even putting somebody in getting someone up in the bullpen it's like oh man okay uh what what are you doing i don't know i mean one, one more on this before we move on from the quotes um, he also said that he wanted to Tonkin in part because, quote, he's the guy that can get loose quicker of the options versus like Smith Shaw or something like that. 
Whew, uh, that's not a good quote. Um, and also, like I said it once before, but it stood out to me again in that in that segment of the of the press conference that that's not how he managed in 2021. And look, while you were saying the thing a minute ago, I was reminded of this too. Like we used to be harder on Snit on this podcast. I will raise my hand and admit that. I think you would as well. I know Eric probably would back in the day. Yep. We, I mean, I can't remember the last time that we went at Snit like this on a podcast. Like this is not like something we do all the time now. I mean, we'll we'll nitpick things and stuff like that, but like. Even last year in the playoffs, like there were controversial things he did, but we didn't. I mean, we're going on thirty minutes now, and like we could keep talking about this. I have, I got more. I'm, I'm going to stop at some point soon, but we don't just do this for fun. Like this is, this is. I, I want to get the point across that like I am uniquely bothered slash annoyed slash perplexed, uh, genuinely perplexed by the way this by the way, way this was handled, and that's why it's you and I kind of repeating ourselves and doing all that stuff. Like I think we're just kind of at a loss maybe i don't know yeah i mean they had 48 hours after game two to come up with a strategy just like the phillies and rob thompson had for game one they had a strategy and they followed it to a t and they stole game one despite it being a bullpen game against one of the best pitchers on planet earth they had a plan and they executed it what was the plan today brad I thought the plan Pray. was going to be Bryce Elder on a short leash, and then apparently that was me, not the plan. Me too. I, I think a lot of folks listening would probably agree. I, Yeah. Just there's still two games left. The Braves have to win game four, and they have to win game five. They are going to send Strider and Freed to the mound. So that's how you would want the season to set up if you're trying to stay alive in a true must-win back-to-back scenario. But man alive, I mean, I, I guess the bright side is because of the way Snit managed today, the good pitchers in the bullpen. I mean, he pitched most of the not good ones today. I mean, literally everyone, all, all the top, what, five, six guys are all available, are all totally fresh, two days right. plus off. Right. Um, so, yeah, if you want to see, if you want to get out, get around to the bright spot, that might be it. Um, are we done with this segment, Scott? I yes. think we have to be. Mercifully. Uh, I think we have to be. Um, the rest of the game, you know, it never got closer than five uh harper harper's home run and look we already praised bryce harper he doesn't need a lot of help and both home runs that he hit were just on i mean uniquely terrible pitches the brad hand pitch was again middle middle just completely hanging terrible pitch to bryce harper um oh oh god scott you know what we got to do we have to at least talk about the stare down rca thing for Ooh. a second yeah uh so I'm sure everyone knows this by now with all of the broadcasts. I was actually surprised how much attention it got, um, but it, it's newsworthy. I, I will admit there's some debate about that. I think it's newsworthy anyway. Um, Fox Sports reported that Arcia repeatedly in their reporting said, add a boy Harper and was like kind of laughing after game two. Of course, Bryce was doubled off to end the game. Uh, and that was in the clubhouse. Um, that all happened yesterday into today. And uh, during both of Harper's home run trots, he very purposefully, in a way that Bryce Harper does, and as a man with some attitude, uh, stared down Arcia. And it was caught by the cameras and discussed on the broadcast. And when he did it again, it was obviously not a huge... Uh, the first time, it was like, maybe you could talk maybe you could talk around it. And then he did the exact same thing on the second one. And there was like no hiding from it. He even admitted to it on the podium tonight. Uh, and then there was a whole other dis- uh, discourse that I'm not even sure I want to get into, into on this forum tonight, especially when I'm juiced up like this. 
about from some, some guys on the brave side about Arcia and Darno and other guys about like how the clubhouse is a, um, is a museum or something like, you know, one of those things where it's, it's kind of um, what stay what's that here stays here kind of thing. Cause it wasn't like Arcia said that in the middle of an interview, it was kind of just captured in the middle of, you know, kind of everything going on. It wasn't, again, it was not a direct question. It was kind of just off to the side and I'm not really interested in the journalism debate about it. I have some thoughts, but I will save them. But all that said, like, do you care about this? Is this something that like, I mean, I, I know Braves fans do, and there's a lot of Braves fans that, don't, that really don't like Bryce Harper, which probably ramped things up a little bit more. But this feels like a story that's like definitely capital, not for me, but also people do care. So where are you out on this? Yeah. My general take, and Travis Darno said, you know, things in the clubhouse are supposed to stay in the clubhouse. These are hallowed walls. I agree. I mean, the guy who reported it, He's kind of a nobody. It's not like Buster Olney or Jeff Passan. I don't even know what this guy does. I'd never heard of him. So, you know, naturally, because it, the other... Just, just three... so you know, it, his name is Jake Mintz. He is uh, half of the Suspetus Barbecue podcast and also writes for Fox. That's who he is. There you go. Just writes for Fox is, is loose, I think. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, my take is this series has been magnified since the very beginning. There's a lot of history. There's... Uh, naturally the, the division rivals it's the rematch from last year you know the whole compared to the other three series the Braves and Phillies has is very clearly dominated the headlines so of course you're going to get gasoline poured on this um, you know I, I if I'm Bryce Harper if I'm a competitor if I'm an athlete playing a game I don't blame him at all for staring down yeah, uh, Arcia. I, I I would do the same. I mean, I think people. <laughs> I'm very you know, sure think... Braves fans won't like that you said that, but I, you and I agree on that. By the way, like I get people don't like Bryce Harper, but I mean, once that gets out in the media, especially top 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 guys. I mean, MJ being the most famous example of this. The best players, no matter how silly it might be, always kind of like to internalize this kind of stuff and oh, yeah. add to the fire. And Bryce Harper is not shy, and he's really good and. I mean, it's a perfect storm. I mean, when that that all hits the fan, and then you bomb twice the next day. Yep. I mean, yeah, the stare downs was probably it was maybe a bit much, but like I really don't blame him for getting into it. And and look, if they lose the series, it'll come back and bite him. That's one of those things that like in the end, this is pro sports, and whoever plays better and whoever wins gets the last laugh, man. Like it, these guys are adults. Yep. It is what it is. Yes. And if it was reversed, if. Uh... You know, Alec Bohm was caught chirping in the clubhouse and, and someone decided to report it and all of that and about, you know, chirping about Matt Olson and then Matt Olson homered and gave him a little look as he rounded it would third be the base. Same thing. Right. No yep. different. And, and it would be roles reversed. I think Braves fans would be eating it up. I'm sure. I, I also fans, can't imagine Matt Olson doing, doing that. <laughs> right. Maybe a bad Ronald Acuna. He's chirping Ronald Acuna. There you go. Because you know Ronald, he's uh, he plays with flair, right? He Ronnie has, has Ronnie has more attitude. Ronnie's much more like Bryce Harper than Matt Olson is. But no, I, I, you're right. All, all that stuff is it's perfectly was. And look, maybe even more blowing up now. I mean, because it got it was on all the post game tonight, and um, this might be full on that. I mean, today it was more like a it felt like more of an internet story today, and then it hit the broadcast tonight, and then Harper bombs and it blows up into something else. Arcia did have an RBI single in the sixth. Shouts to Arcia. Uh, yeah. uh, cut cut the lead to five. Um, there, there were some uh, good little fake graphics going around. I don't know if you saw these, Brad, but like fake quotes, you know, from from Phillies players saying Ronald Acuna stinks. He's not the National League MVP. He, you know, he's he's a big dopey head, right? Like fake quotes. <laughs> Maybe one of those will catch on to get some fire and and wake up the Braves lineup a little bit. Because you're right, man. I mean, we're three games. We're 27 innings into this series. 
and the Atlanta Braves have scored seven runs. That's uh, that's not Ooh. great. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Let's get to that shortly, actually. I mean, nothing else really happened in the game of super note. Smith-Shauver kind of wore it for a while. Another thing that Snit really did kind of punted the game in some respects. He looked okay at times, but gave up two home runs. Um, <laughs> this is more of a funny thing that doesn't have a huge impact. I will definitely preface that. But uh, Forrest Wall was the pitch hitter in the game tonight when they had other guys available. That's like a, a sure sign that you kind of give it up on the game. All, yeah, all respect to Forrest Wall. That but, is uh, that is getting the walk-ons into the NCAA tournament with a minute to go. Yeah, that's basically what that was. I mean, again, Forrest Wall has a clear role on the team. I'm not saying otherwise. His pinch running could be very, very useful, defense maybe, but uh, he should not be pinch hitting unless he is the last person available. He was not. I, I think, yeah, I, I would imagine guy that's been around for all those years. Yeah. Just an opportunity. And that's, and that's fine. And that's a good point, actually. I shouldn't be as dismissive because maybe that really was, I mean, you could argue about, philosophically whether that's reasonable to do but it was what i think it might have been a seven or eight run game by that point so it wasn't like it was crazy so you know what scott i'm softer on it now that you said that look at look at me softening uh, uh just because he had, <laughs> forest wall is a great story as discussed previously and it, that really knowing snit and coming back to why people like snit again including us that really might have been why he why he pitched it tonight so yeah, I'm yeah. more okay with it now. Now you you sold me. Congratulations to you. Um, Thank you very much. It's just on. nice to win one sometimes, you know, because <laughs> the Braves um, aren't winning very much. Am I that right? That is true. Uh, you spoke about the offense. Let's just set that. So after all of what we just said, and I made sure to lead with it as well. The offense has not been good enough this series. I mean, they they had the comeback in game two. It was a lot of fun, but two runs tonight. Um, they left guys on base. In fact, they left two guys on base in the first, third, and what, fifth or sixth innings of this game. Ozuna had a couple of bad strikeouts. Um, hilariously, the Braves only had one fewer hit and one fewer walk than the Phillies did in a eight-run loss today. But for the series, I have some numbers for you, Scott. They're not very good. The team, and this is a team that led baseball in basically everything offensively, including a baseball record slugging percentage. The team... OPS, not slugging, not on base. OPS for the series is 525. 525. That's a team OPS. Truly unbelievable. I believe the team OPS in the regular season was 809. Uh, Yes. And slugging, they slugged 501 for the season. So do the math on that. Um, Only four guys who are regulars with more than like two plate appearances in the series have OPS is over 558. It's Riley, Albies, Darno, and Acuna. And even Acuna has been well below his norm. Like he's on that list of, of the four guys at the top, but he's fourth and has not been very good by his lofty standards in this series. Olsen's three for 12 with all singles. Ozuna's two for 10. RC's two for 11. Eddie's one for six with bad defense. Michael Harris, for all of his defensive glory, is I believe one for 24. Five or something like that in the playoffs now. 0 for 11 this year. He's been yeah. a zero on offense. He had a rough, um, rough playoffs last year too. Yeah, he has one. He has one hit in two playoffs. Um, and last year, as a reminder, last year when they lost in this same series to the same opponent, the slash line for the team was 180, 250, 344. So they have a sub 600 OPS in seven playoff games the last two years. And this is a vaunted, talented. Excellent offense. That's still true, but man, at some point you got to hit. And they found they found it for three innings the other night. But man, they all the other stuff is fluff and interesting. And I still stand by what we said earlier about how that was the most high leverage, interesting thing to talk about from this game. 
but they have to score runs. Um, maybe they can win two one with Strider and Freed on the mound in game four, yeah. game five. But that is not that's not what this team is supposed to be. This team is supposed to mash you. They they averaged almost six runs a game this year, and they are not scoring. Yeah, and you know, looking back in the first inning, both Riley and Olson had little like bloops or dinks to nowhere. And yeah, it ran through my mind. He said, you know what? Maybe the Braves are about to get one of those BABIP games where they just hit a bunch of bleeders to nowhere and win with it. They did not. He had a brutal, yeah, brutal strikeout there from Marcelo Zuna. And then two innings later, same setup, two runners on, two outs. The Braves had at least scored one run in the third, but Ozuna struck out. Home plate umpire had a pretty big zone, which didn't help things, but you know, there's, I don't want to pile on Ozuna because he's been just so good over the last five or six months. But, man, there were some opportunities early in this game, very much like the Phillies had in game two, where, yes, they got a couple runs across. The Braves got the one run with Acuna and Albies. But, man, it just felt like early on there were some real opportunities to put a crooked number on the board and really just keep building off of the momentum from game two and they, they just didn't do it. And then, of course, the bottom of the third happened. The game was maybe not technically over, but, I mean, just to be down 6-1 to one in that ballpark feels like a mountain to climb. And just, uh, yeah, just, just frustrating, really, from first pitch, just with the opportunities the Braves had. And then, of course, the very, very frustrating pitching management that we have uh, ranted about for too long at this point. Yeah, some good parallels there on offense only between Philly in game two and the Braves in game three, where they, they had a bunch of chances and just didn't capitalize on them. And the Braves uh, needed to capitalize on them in this game would have been maybe different. But uh, needless to say, even with Strider, and if he wins on Friday, uh, sorry, on, in game four on Thursday, um, freed on Saturday, they're going to have to score. I mean, you can't expect... We talked about it in game one. You can't expect guys to just be perfect. Strider was very good in game one, and it didn't matter because they, because they didn't score any runs. Um, we'll see. Okay, before we get out of here, a couple of look-ahead things. First off, our fo- the folks at Fangraphs, who we enjoy, have the Braves at 30.7% chance to win the series, meaning they have to win the last two games, of course. And the betting market is in a similar range. They have the Phillies at minus 250 or so to win the series at FanDuel and DraftKings, etc. Scott, does that seem high or low or or about right to you? Because uh, basically what that means is that the Braves might be slight favorites in both games if you do the math on that. But of course, Atlanta has to win twice and Philadelphia has to win once. And that is not good math. No, it is not. Man, just in my heart of hearts, maybe it's delusion, Brad. I still feel like this team is going to somehow find a way. To oh, win. baby, we're going to end positive. I love, I love, we love to see it on this podcast, Scott. We love to see it. It, it might be delusion talking. <laughs> uh, it was a long day. I'm tired. I'm sure you are too. Um, yeah, it sounds right. I mean, the odds sound right. Of course, the Braves are going to have a chance once again in Game Four. Strider, who pitched, I thought really well in Game One against yep. Ranger Suarez. You know, hopefully. Well, you know that Philadelphia is going to have a game plan for Suarez tomorrow with their bullpen. I mean, they also didn't really tap into their their big guns tonight out of the bullpen. So, you know, it's it's not going to be easy, but I think the Braves have a chance. I mean, if tomorrow was like Zach Wheeler against another bullpen game, I'd say, you know, you get the thank you fans graphic ready to go on the Braves Twitter and and we'll see everybody in the offseason. <laughs> but uh, they, they have Strider. That's who you would want to have the ball. 
I know he and Max, there's probably a debate on who is the better fully healthy pitcher. But uh, yes, Strider against Suarez and the Philly bullpen. God, let's hope whether it's some, uh, maybe the bats come alive. Maybe they get some lucky bounces. Uh, maybe Philadelphia finally cools down a bit offensively. But uh, overall, man, it's, uh, it's it's crazy to say that they could be a game away from elimination after how special of a season this has been. We agree. Uh, my three series prediction is officially dead. I had Braves in four. That can no longer happen. Yours is still alive. Braves in five. So hopefully you'll be right at the end of this thing. Um, Strider is on full rest. That's in a nice situation to be in. It's a game one rematch in every possible way. I'm not going to make you do this, Scott. We could talk about whether they have the same lineup as game one. Can you imagine they go back to the same, go back to that lineup again oh, after baby. all that talk? Because it might happen. I'm not. It, it might. It might I happen. Mean, we'll see. Ugh. We'll find out. We'll find out on Thursday morning sometime. Um, but everyone should be available behind Strider as well. And I mean, if you thought, I mean, obviously Strider is much more high pedigree and better than Elder, longer leash for obvious reasons. But the season is over if you lose tomorrow. And you have a day off on Friday. So if Strider doesn't have it, I'm not trying to wish that on anybody. But if he's not his best, they need to be aggressive. They need to be aggressive with the bullpen because everybody, as we talked about before, all the good guys, Minter, Iglesias, Jimenez, Pierce Johnson, all those guys are available and had my pitch in two days or more. So uh, that should be something to see. Suarez has been confirmed as the starter for game uh, for game four for Philadelphia as of tonight as well. So we will see on all of that. And uh, the Braves are just for the record uh, favored in the betting market in this game, uh, presumably because of Strider versus Suarez because the game's in Philadelphia, but um, that is an advantage and the Braves are the better pitcher and we'll see. Uh, Last thing. Let's hope they show up, Brad. Let us hope. Uh, We do not know the start time officially as we record this podcast, as you just helpfully told me in the notes. Um, the Diamondbacks currently lead the Dodgers as we're recording this for nothing in the fifth inning. If the Diamondbacks win that game and sweep the Dodgers, which by the way, that is a wild result. Um, if they sweep the Dodgers, which might happen, then the Braves game is the only game on Thursday. And that means the game is going to be at 8.07 PM Eastern. If the Dodgers come back and win, then they play again tomorrow, which means the Braves go back to 6.07 PM. So keep an eye on the start time. Wherever you may be, Twitter, MLB.com, however you find that. If the Dodgers win, 607. If the D-backs win, 807 for the Braves, Eastern time, which means 307, 507 for our friend Scott out in the Pacific time zone. Um, keep an eye on that. And then if we need to get into game five, we will. We'll leave it alone for now. It'll be freed, presumably, and uh, hold on to your hats at that point in time. One more note. It will not be Scott and I on the show after game four, which may be a good thing because Scott and I are only one and two in the series so far. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe maybe we're the problem at this point. No, maybe we are the problem. Isn't there a Could Taylor be. Swift song? Uh, something like that. But yeah, there's going to be a show. I'll, I'll, let me say there's going to be a show. Um, I believe it's going to be Sean and Steven, but there will be a show. If something happens and I have to record at 2 a.m., there's going to be a show. But Scott and I both have work commitments previously scheduled that are not movable on Thursday. Um, doesn't matter. That's we, we do have other, other lives. It's not a full-time job. So apologies on that, but we will have a show. I promise you that from the bottom of my heart, there will be a show before Friday morning, win or lose and uh, subscribe to the podcast. You will find it in your feeds and all that fun stuff. Uh, yeah. Scott, anything else to add before we sign off? I really hope the Braves win on Thursday. 
I think we agree on that. that. Yeah. How about that? Go uh, Braves. I got a message um, from an un, unnamed member of the battery power crew. I don't want to get them uh, attention that. And literally all it said was we're winning tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, I stand by that person and we will see what happens, but yes, there will be a show. Stay tuned for that. If we, if there is a game five, I think Scott and I are going to be here. I don't want to promise Scott something, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll come back at some point. You will hear from us. If the Braves happen to lose on in game four, Scott and I will do a post series at some point. I don't know what's going to be the next day, or <laughs> but it'll be at some point. We'll come back. And uh, if you're a new listener to the podcast, we should always say this. If for some reason the series ends, um, we podcast all winter. Like we don't go away. Some shows go away in the off season or really slow down. We slow down a little bit, obviously, but um, we do shows like can pretty, consi- pretty consistently. So if you like the Atlanta Braves and chatting about them, listening to us talk about them, it's a good time to subscribe to the podcast because the train the train will roll along, win, lose, or draw on this podcast. Folks can find Scott where? Scott, plug yourself before we get out of here. Fans can find me in the mental ward because of tonight's base, but no, <laughs> I'm uh, maybe I'm like half joking. Uh Scott Coleman 55 on Twitter slash X. Uh please be sure to check out the site, batterypower.com. Uh Chris Willis and all of the writers. For the site do a great job uh, plenty of coverage let's hope that there are still many games on the horizon and uh yeah brad maybe we'll maybe we'll get together on saturday for a game five i i sure hope so i'd be willing to take some time on my saturday evening to talk about a uh what would be a high stakes game five but either way it's been a really great ride always i think therapeutic to talk one out with you after after a game like this and let's hope the braves find a way to win We would enjoy a more positive podcast next time around. But one more time, please subscribe to the show. Auto-download, click around, download multiple times, tell a friend about the podcast using Apple or Spotify or Google Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcast. We should be there. Raise our views appreciated. Read BatteryPower.com each and every day. We'll see you all next time.